0: Seamus is adventure meets Berserk on the 1200XL show. Hi everybody, welcome to 1200XL. I'm John. Oh and I'm here, we're back baby. That's right, we are back and we're talking Seamus. You know, there's been a, uh, there's been who's the guy that's the MMA
1: guy, Seamus something? There's a there's a wrestler called Seamus. He's not MMA. No, 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 no. He's a big, huge redhead. I get guy. him confused big with Irish Brock. Guy. Who's tougher, Brock or Seamus? Well, I would listen. <laughs> If they were both standing here, I would just beat myself up and lay down. So I don't want to. I don't want to say they're both pretty tough. I mean, Brock is well decorated as a former UFC heavyweight champion, but Sheamus is a big, huge, tall Irish killer. So I would. I wouldn't want to fight either one of them both. If you, I mean, if you were gonna
0: make your your like sort of names of bruisers, would you put yeah. Sheamus up there? Sheamus just sounds like a tough guy to me.
1: Well, I mean, it's sort of one of those stereotypical names for someone around that area to me, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, it's not the worst name. I don't know. I think more of, like, the detective type than I do, like, a killer type. Detective Seamus? You know, Seamus is like... Isn't Seamus, like... a? Uh, it's another word for, like, cop or detective or something. Isn't like a slang term or something? This is the
0: first I've heard this. I, 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 I don't know much about Irish slang, so you'll have to school me.
1: Well, I mean, it's... <laughs> Like I do, maybe someone in the chat could back me up or call me an idiot. But I thought I thought the the term the word Seamus was another term for like a you know like flat foot or yeah. you know how they have you know if you are like white listening old radio show from like the forties they mm-hmm. like they're like here comes a flat foot here comes a private dick they get all these names I think Seamus is also a uh, one of those okay, but that could okay. be crazy.
0: Do you if you were gonna name a game would you name a game after a name somebody's name would you name a game like Aaron you got that right.
1: <laughs> what a stupid question. Heck yeah. I'd be the star of that game too. There'd be a whole lot of, I'd stomp everybody in that game. I wouldn't run I just around feel a maze. Like, I feel like
0: from a marketing perspective, you can do better than naming the game after the dude.
1: Why didn't they sell well? You just, but I mean, if I had the chance, so said, hey, you wanted a game named after you? I'd say yes. <laughs> if they said, hey, do you want a game named after you? But you And you'll keep all the proceeds? I'd be like, oh, I've changed the name. something Mm. better like Mm. space aaron something like that
0: space aaron is good yeah even like with like super mario brothers you got mario in there you gotta put something i guess they did have mario brothers though as i look at the machine right next to me
1: bam spinny confirms it police officer slang okay look at that i know more about the uk than you do boat you Mm. do
0: and i bet that you learned that from an old uk radio show that sounds like something they'd say here comes the seamus
1: uh, probably yeah but it was it's definitely like an old TV show but you gotta yeah. think in the old days I've noticed this over the years right in the old days like say 40s 50s TV and radio they use a lot of terms that are, that are from Europe that we don't mm-hmm. use anymore but we right. I mean, we must have used them back then they just went away
0: yeah, yeah, I think people's vocabularies were much, much larger back then than they are now. You can tell, because when you you look at the dialogue of old TV shows, it's yeah. like they're talking like college professors compared to the way that we talk now. It's crazy. Well,
1: there's, a, there's a lot of crazy slang that we don't remember. You know, not to change the subject, but I wanted to talk about this tonight, and so why not now? I heard on the radio coming in that, like, Americans don't smell enough stuff. That's why... <laughs> So really? You need, yeah. They they say we need to spell the smell more because there's so, in some way that prevents memory loss. Oh, you know, they said, well, the you, Europeans, know that, you know, people in the UK, they've got great smellers. They're smelling right. all kinds of crazy stuff over here. We don't smell nothing. You know,
0: I do know that smell is the is the is the sense that is most attached to memory. I remember reading that. So that does make sense. You need to have. You need to smell
1: a lot of things so you could remember more. Oh, I like yeah. it. I, I want to make that and a goal. So get this boat. They've got these uh you know how you've got a gimmick in your house to like uh make it smell nice? Mm-hmm. You can get a bunch of these different things and if you put them if you do it while you're in bed, bam, memory increase. I'm going to try it too. Oh but man. I, it would be interesting to know if certain smells helped you remember stuff better. Do you have a favorite scent? Like when
0: you're shopping for laundry detergent? Or some cologne or something. Do you have something
1: you just love smelling? I like the, you know, these, uh, what do they call these little wax gimmicks that melt in the doodad. Yeah. Yeah. You melters. know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. You know, so I love these things. And I like the vanilla and like the uh, brown sugar. I like okay, that. Okay. So stuff. you like that a sweet
0: of, smelling thing.
1: You know, like, I'm a big fan of the vanilla ones, but like you mm-hmm. can mix stuff in there too. I like those. But sometimes I'm in the mood for like something a little more fruity. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'll put some tropical gimmick in there. So maybe I should have one of those near the bed. Yeah, you know,
0: you want to dream about a tropical sunset? Bam! Put the old put the old fruit melter on there.
1: You're good. It to It would go. be funny if like really bad smells like that's the ones that helped you remember stuff. So at night you have to put case. like you have to put like the manure smell or the pasture <laughs> in your thing. <laughs> that would be great if that was true. I've lived in a lot of houses where I would remember like a tree. I never because they, it's they stunk. I've been to people's house, you know. Usually, people lots like of cats and stuff. Yeah. I wonder what their memories are like. Maybe they're smarter because of the stink. You never know.
0: Whenever Who I think about thought? heavy smokers, I always think about whenever I used to go thrifting, and you always used to find the old NES that was just like caked with tar and it nicotine. yellow.
1: <laughs> yeah, I wonder if smokers have better memories because they smell smoke all the time, or that just Maybe destroys so. your nose. It doesn't
0: it? It does. It does destroy your ability to smell. I know my dad had a hard time smelling his whole life because he spent his whole career at institute. An institute mm-hmm. is the land of bad smells.
1: Yeah, he didn't so. smoke though, did he?
0: Oh, he smoked a pipe when he was when he was younger, but uh, but I, I think it was mostly just being around all the chemicals and stuff. So hey. he Chemical actually Valley. bought the last car that he bought. He bought it not knowing that it reeked of cigarette smoke. Like, we couldn't even stand to be in it. We had to fumigate the car for six months before we could ride around in it. So,
1: you know, here's, here's, before we move on to the actual show, here's my challenge. If you're listening to this on YouTube or whatever, or even if you want to email us, I want you to write down what you think the best smell for good memory is. And give us some ideas, and then I will collect them, and I'll go get those smells at the store, and I will see because I need memory help, Boat, so this is where everybody can help me. Memory time. I love it. Let's talk about Seamus, Aaron. I'll forget to check him, won't I? Here we go. <laughs> Bam. Look at that,
0: but Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So, Seamus, this is a, an action-adventure game that was developed by Katherine Mataga, it was formerly known as William Taggat at the time of this publication.
1: Oh, that's what threw me. Okay, I got that's it.
0: That's right. That's right. Yeah. At this time, William was the, the the person, but now it is Catherine. This was published by Synapse Software in 1982. Of course, Synapse Software uh, was a, a an American video game development and publishing company founded in 1981. Uh, and it initially was focused on the Atari 8 bits, so that's why we got all the best ports coming out of Synapse, like Blue Max, Seamus. But then they 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 focused on the C sixty four as a lesser secondary market, much as if the Commodore sixty four is the uh, secondary lesser machine. So that's turned um, heel
1: on you. That's For right.
0: Sure. Uh, the company was purchased by Broderbund in late nineteen eighty four. And uh, they kept the Synapse label around for another year, but they, they retired that name in 1985. So Synapse existed from 81 until 1985. A um, little bit more about uh, Catherine Mataga. Uh, she also designed Zeppelin for the C64, uh, <laughs> uh, which is uh, an interactive fiction game mind wheel. Uh, and uh, she continues to be active in the port scene, Aaron. She ported Dragon's Lair to the Game Boy Color. Oh, and that's also, an amazing port too. Yeah, and also worked on the port, uh the Game Boy Color port of Grand Theft Auto Advance. Um oh, wow. She is now the head of an outfit called Jungle Vision Studios, which is an independent development house. Uh other releases by Synapse included uh, Necromancer, Rainbow Walker, which is an awesome game, uh Blue Max, shall we say more. Uh they also did Ford Apocalypse. Alley Cat and the Pharaoh's Curse. So Synapse were was firing great. on all yeah. cylinders. Some of the best yeah, games on great. the Atari 8 bits. Yeah. So Aaron, Seamus, when you fired this up, first of all, had you played this one before this <clears throat> go round?
1: Yes, I've got a, I've got this for another machine, uh, but I will say this has a different look and feel to it than uh, the one th- where I played it previously, and I, uh, and this game is very, very Atari, so I enjoyed it. <laughs> It it sounds Atari, it looks Atari. It's very, I, I I thought the, uh, the 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 feel of it it was like uh, slipping on an old slipper, like you know mm-hmm. what you're getting, Boat.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, what is this game? This is a flip screen shooter that I would I, w- I would say has very light action ad- or a light adventure game elements. Um, and uh, this was originally released on disc and tape. Um, and uh, this was the first big hit from Synapse. Uh, according to Synapse co-founder Ihor Wolosinko, uh, Seamus made the company famous by giving it a reputation for quality. Uh, of course, back in the day, you sort of, uh, I don't know uh, how how you bought games, but I would always look and see who was publishing games, and, and sometimes that would affect my decision. For example, when I was buying games for the Nintendo if a game was a Konami game, I was like, yeah, this is probably going to be good. If it was Capcom, yeah, probably good. Uh, LGN, no way. Acclaim, nope. You know, I don't want any part of that. So did you look at publishers or were you just, I guess you were pirating everything, weren't you?
1: I was going to say, my, my the way I judged if a game was good or not is if it was available for free. And if I could have, <laughs> I, my thing is like, copy them all, sort them out later if they're any good. So no, I yeah. never did that.
0: Yeah, um, Seamus was actually followed by a sequel in 1983 called Seamus Case 2, uh, also appearing on the uh, Atari computer. I actually played Seamus 2 before Seamus 1, if you can believe it. Yeah. Um, and uh, and uh, there's also, we'll get into this later, it was also ported to Game Boy Color. We'll take a look at the Game Boy Color version later on. Um, so in Seamus, you are a dude. I'm guessing you are a private detective this is all making sense to me now. Now that I yeah. know that Seamus is slang for a detective. Yeah. That's why you got case one and case two. You got exactly. mysteries. You got clues. He's
1: wearing um, a hat.
0: Yeah, that's right. You got the private eye hat. Uh you're uh and Seamus, I guess, is a robotic detective. So he's not even a human detective. He's the detective of the future, a robot detective. Are you ready for the era of robotic detectives? I think we're getting close, Aaron. I,
1: well, I demand them. I, I, trust me, I've met I've meet <laughs> lots of real detectives. You can't get the robots ready quick enough.
0: <laughs> I guess as long as they as long as they stay away from robotic breathalyzer techs, you'll be fine. But as soon as those come that. out, that's when you break out the whole, uh, What are those guys' names that uh, that broke up the spinning Jennies back in the day? Now it's
1: slang for uh, people that don't want technology. You got me, Boat. You All right, somebody on the chat on that man. one. <laughs> I don't know where Spinny jitty is either. <laughs> uh,
0: so getting back to the uh, the game here, this is I would call this a Berserk clone. Luddites, thank you, Spinny. Uh, um, this is a, a Berserk clone with a twist. You have a, a huge, huge maze. This is a 128-room maze of electrified walls. Uh, and the ultimate goal... At the end of this uh journey is called the Shadows Lair. Uh that is where you're gonna face the the final boss and hopefully uh complete the game. So uh what are some differences between Seamus and Berserk? Well Berserk of course was a real, real early, real early game. Yeah. Uh I believe that it was there was no real background. It was just basically the walls and your character and the robots were all sort of outlined against a black void. Is that right, Aaron?
1: That's pretty much right. That was an old, uh, Stern made that back in the day. It was one of their mm-hmm. big hits, actually. Stern did that in Frenzy, uh, and it was. It's, but I mean, it is very similar in a lot of ways, including uh, the ability to leave whatever you want. You know, now, of course, the difference between this and that, I mean, um, amongst the bad guys and the way it looks, is that in that game, you, whenever you left a room, you just went to another room. And this, you got hallways and stuff like that. So there's uh, there's a big difference. This sort of reminds me, Boat, if I had to classify this, it would be like, what would happen if, like, uh, if Berserk and Montezuma's Revenge had a child? It would be this. Mm yeah I mean, it's very similar in a lot of ways to a non platforming Montezuma's revenge it even sort of it looks the same in a lot of times uh and it's actually it's the it's the game that I never knew I wanted. Uh, but I want it because it actually the marriage of the two things worked together pretty well, I think, but
0: right. and and, like you said, this has got that that Montezuma's revenge uh, persistent world. Uh, berserk, right. you were getting pretty much random rooms whenever you left the room. but in this in this, you've got a world that is definitely mappable, and you're gonna need to break out the 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 grid paper if you want to get through this yeah. thing because it is it is very confusing. Um there's items that you can collect. There's bottles. and the bottles contain extra lives. You've got uh, mystery question marks, which give you score, and you've also got keys, which open exits. So there's there's things to collect here. Um, I think the and, question
1: marks can sometimes give you lives too. I'm, I'm not okay, afraid.
0: so it's sort of like a mystery item, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, and what are you up against in this game? Well, you're up against a ton of different robots, and the robots are named. Uh, they're named uh, Spiral Drones. Robodroids and uh, the demonic snap jumpers uh what did you think about the the enemy design on this one Aaron
1: it's different I mean you really have a uh it I guess they didn't want to make it just like berserk and so you have got some you do have some robots but you've got some like you know saw blade type enemies and some sparkly stuff so they, they it's they're different you know they're they're different enough to make it not look like berserk which is fine. And they act differently, too. Some things rush you straight away. Some things shoot real fast. Uh, so it's nice to have uh, uh, different enemies to deal with. And you got to think, Berserk, it's got robots. So it had different colored robots. But mm-hmm. they were pretty much all robots. So uh, any variety is good variety. Yeah, and of course, in Berserk, I think the robots were mostly sort of humanoid
0: looking, right? And these are, these are they look like all different kinds of things.
1: Yeah, they, they were sort of like boxy looking robots. Yeah, yeah but the, yeah. humanoid, yeah.
0: So, um... When you get through each level, there's four levels of this game. Uh, The gameplay speeds up, and that makes the game more difficult because not only do the enemies come at you faster, but you also move around faster, which makes it more difficult to keep from running into walls. Walls, I found, are just as much of an adversary in this game as the monsters are because what will happen is you'll be rushed by some, some robots. You'll be running to get out of the way, and before you know it, zap. Just like a mosquito on a, a summer night running up against that electric thing, you get yeah. zapped and you're dead. It's game Usually over.
1: you're trying to dodge their bullets. It's what really... Because yeah. then you're like more like panicky, and that's when you do the dumb. Yeah. yeah.
0: Now, you do have
1: a weapon in this game. Now, Aaron, do you know what the weapon is called? I don't. I have no
0: idea. It's called the Iron Shiv. Yeah.
1: Oh, 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 not bad. <laughs> That's it's right. Not, and it's so sh- no glaive, but you know. <laughs> well, listen,
0: when you're a police officer patrolling RoboTown, you're going to need some backup, and that backup comes in the way of an unlimited supply of iron shivs that you can throw throwing knife style at the robots, uh, dismantling them. Uh, these robots all only take one hit to kill, and uh, basically the, the gameplay involves clearing the room of enemies You pick up special items on the way and then you you leave through the exit. Uh, Unfortunately, as soon as you come back to the room, the enemies are all back there and and you've got to do it again. So it's unfortunate, but that's the way that these old arcade game style uh, games play.
1: I guess they sort of had to do it that way, you know because yeah. otherwise you just clear the whole maze and you can just sort of linger around for all time you know right
0: right and so um in this game just like berserk if you just kind of hang around for too long on a particular level the shadow will emerge and uh will will jump towards you in a menacing way uh, if you are if you manage to shoot the shadow it's actually difficult to do he'll yeah. freeze in place uh, which will give you a chance to escape but you can't actually kill the shadow
1: he's not very big either. Uh, and so and he and he he does get he gets around pretty quick. So even if you're even if you clear the area of, of robots or bad guys, if you're trying to grab a goodie or something and you're taking too long, he, he can get you you can get yourself cornered real quick. He's this game's version of Evil Auto, basically.
0: Exactly, exactly. So Aaron, we talked about the gameplay. What do you think of Seamus? Where does it rank in the Pantheon of of Atari 8 bit games?
1: I will say this before I rank it. This is It's funny. This is the second game I've played in a week that had the theme from the Alfred Hitchcock show as its opening title. Oh yeah,
0: theme, we forgot to mention that.
1: This Do you know what the name of that is? I don't. I, I looked it up and I don't remember it. It's called March of the Marionettes? There you go. It's funny because I, I played uh, on ARG, we played Ambulance and that makes a lot more sense for Seamus than it does Ambulance because Alfred Hitchcock got all kinds of private eye stuff on it. So it makes a lot more sense. So I thought that was kind of funny though. What are the odds? Uh, but and I like this game actually quite a bit. I can see why it was popular. I'm a big fan of Berserk uh, and uh, uh, so, I like those sorts of games. I'm a big fan of the... This is a newsflash. I'm a big fan of the Atari 8-bits. And so I like... I'm comfortable with the way this sounds and the way it looks. It's got the look. It's got the sound I like. The controls are pretty tight. Uh, I like the additional benefit uh, that they baked in that you don't get berserk where you're searching around and you're looking for keys, and certain keys fit the doors, and, you, and when you open the lock, you get to move on. I like that idea. It's simple, but it works in a game like this. It just gives, It gives you a little more depth, you know? I like the fact that the rooms are numbered. They missed an opportunity here to do your favorite thing and name the rooms. Like yeah. That would have been a lot of fun, uh, but they didn't do that. They just have numbers and colors. But, I mean, it's a you can tell it's a big game. What I don't like about it is, unlike something like Montezuma's Revenge, like this game is so incredibly large that you're right, you have to sort of map it. And this is not the kind of game I want to set around a map, if I'm honest. Because I just want to go shoot stuff and kill stuff, but you really do have to map it, or you'll never get to where you're going to get lost like every time. Yeah. Like I tried this, this to just game. go real far, and I couldn't do it without mapping, and I didn't map.
0: This is a game that I. It's hard for me to give this an entirely objective review because this game played so much a part of my childhood. Really, I played this a ton, a ton, oh. and it never once occurred to me to like break out some graph paper and try and like map this out. I don't know if I just didn't realize that the game was consistently the same all the way through, or or what. But I I always just found myself dying before I probably made any significant progress. Um. This is not the only version of this game. Uh, in the in much later years, uh, this game received a port for the Game Boy Color. Let's take a look at this, Aaron.
1: Yeah, this is a, a, this is the weirdest port I can find, Bud. <laughs> Just for you.
0: So this is the the Game Boy Color version. What they've done is they, they it seems like they've taken Seamus and they've made him it more realistically proportioned. Yeah. Uh, but what they haven't done is uh, compensated for the extremely low resolution of the, of the Game Boy Color. So Seamus is like several stories tall, but the maze is the same size that it always was. So you can see you, you don't you don't see very much of the screen at all. And in a game like Seamus, you really want to see as much of the screen as possible.
1: I will say uh, this, the electrified walls are look much more electrified. That's true. Uh, th- that's true. But I mean, I still prefer the look. Of the uh, Atari by Country Mile on that boat. I yeah. But it
0: that. just goes to show, you know, with the Game Boy Color and the Game Boy Advance, how many old computer games were kind of resurrected from uh, the, you know, the obscure past to make a reappearance on the Game Boy Advance or the Game Boy Color. And there's been several games on ARG that have been like that, too, where you're like, wow, that's weird. Yeah,
1: it is odd.
0: Yeah. So uh, this game reviewed pretty well. Uh, 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 Softline in 1983 says that Seamus is the best cross between arcade and adventure games currently on the Atari market. To know it is to love it, play it constantly, and not get enough of it. So Soft- Softline loved it. Um, that year, uh, Softline's readers named it the seventh best game on the magazine's top 30 list of Atari 8-bit programs. Uh, Electronic Fun gave the Atari version three out of five. They called the graphics superb, and they ah. said uh, this doesn't look like it could ever get boring. So they they loved it. Uh, and the, the the Kings were ROM Magazine, which I've never heard of ROM Magazine before. I don't but they think gave, I have either. They gave the Atari version a nine point four out of ten rating. So let, uh, let me ask you a
1: question real quick, Bo. Since you said mm-hmm. you played the second one first. Because when I was I was looking on eBay to see what this is going for, and I saw a ton more of the second one than I did the first one. Uh, are is it similar? And was it more popular? Like, how would you assess these?
0: I do not think this game was more. I think that case two was not as popular as the first one. The, according to wiki, this game sold sixty thousand copies, which is pretty good, you know, yeah. for for a game of its time. Um the second version of this game is very bizarre. It it, it uh, goes back and forth between a side-scrolling, uh, almost Mario-type game where you're jumping over things. Um, you've also got a, a weird overworld map that you have to traverse where you've got to avoid snakes. Almost like think about something that looks like Dig Dug 2. And then... Also, there's an Arkanoid mode where you go into some rooms and you have to play Arkanoid where you're firing straight up and knocking down insects so you can progress to the next level up because the game scrolls vertically and horizontally. It's probably the most bizarre computer game I've ever played.
1: You know, it's funny, those old games like that, often there was a feeling that you couldn't come back with a game too similar to the original and you had to really go nuts. And I'll talk about something like, say, though you mentioned Dig Dug Two or Spy Hunter Two, and sometimes by going nuts, you miss the mark a lot. Yeah, and it's it sounds like uh, yeah, because that is an odd. But but I mean, they thought they were doing the thing to move more units, I guess. And right, yeah, what are you right. Do?
0: Uh, We did get a couple Discord reviews this time. I I pull them up here. Our our first review comes from Seamus, or from Seamus himself. Otherwise, it was Pajaco6502. (laughs) (laughs) His nickname was Seamus. You didn't know that? No. (laughs) He says, uh, Seamus is as if Adventure and Berserk had been mashed together in a transporter accident a fun maze exploration and shoot up game that has enough challenge to have you filling up the swear jar pretty quick. Now, there isn't much to see from the game. It's a uh, find the key, kill the baddies, and find the door game, but I found it fun. I didn't get too far because it's a tough game in places and it's easy to panic and run into a wall or accidentally move while shooting and run into an enemy. Yeah. Like Berserk, Seamus has its unkillable hunter, the Shadow, that comes after you if you hang around too long, so don't. The titular (laughs) Shamus in in some other versions appears to be rather inexplicably a cowboy shooting killer droids of some kind. But who cares? It was the 80s and this kind of thing was fine back then. It all runs really well and the sound and graphics for an early 8-bit Atari game are pretty good. This could have been an arcade game for sure. One to try out if you enjoy games like Berserk or Robotron. 8 out of 10. Lord writes. Seamus on the Atari XL is one of my formative gaming experiences. I love it. Pajaco's breakdown is succinct. 8 out of 10 for me, too. And finally, STE slash W writes, While I and most of my school friends had a Speccy, one friend had an Atari 400. It seemed exotic at the time. Either after school or at lunchtime, we went to his house and played Seamus. Hearing the arcade-style sounds so different to the beeper of the Specky, was quite something. So playing this again so many years later, the game seems much simpler than I recall, but the sound effects hold up. The pokey shines here as your character blasts away or throws shibs, as the docs say. I checked out the C64 version. Although it's more colorful, the sound and gameplay is inferior to the Atari. A fun arcade adventure, 7 out of 10. That's yeah, the Discord I, reviews.
1: I don't think you're going to get this in the arcade though, because I mean you'd have to. I wish this game would have actually shown a little restraint on the levels mm-hmm. and put in like, uh, you know, again like Monazuma's Revenge. That's a game where you don't have to necessarily map and you can get through it. I, I mean this this thing is so. I mean it's great if you're if you want a sprawling game like that. But it, I really I, this is the it's a, I don't think I've played a game like this that requires like that much mapping. I mean maybe like right. something like a Turk or something, you know. I, I mean it's it is sort of a maybe they were ahead of their time in mm-hmm. some ways that you had to have, because I mean, you can get lost easily and you and you can gather a bunch of keys and still be bone had to do a lot of backtracking.
0: You know, Absolutely. so it's a,
1: it's a, it's an interesting game indeed.
0: Yeah. I I looked this up on eBay, you can get this for $20 with the manual, so it's still very affordable. Uh, like you said, all the Synapse software games sold a lot. They're still out there. Some are going to cost more than others, but uh, this one is definitely gettable for the collectors out there. Absolutely. All right, Aaron. Next time on 1200XL, whenever that is, you came up with a great idea. Go ahead and open the curtains there. Get the, the, uh, the, the, who knows what we're going to play? Well, guess what? We're going to tell you because you had a great idea. We're going to play Laser Gates. Laser Gates. A really unique, and I believe uh, possibly an Atari 8-bit exclusive. This is one of the greatest horizontal shooters available for the Atari 8-bit machines. Very colorful game. uh, Great sound effects. Great mechanics. Uh, We will see you then on the next episode of 1200XL. And until then,
1: make sure you play your Atari today. Do it.